The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates, increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. Hi, welcome to the Online Marketing Show. This is Joey Bushnell. Today's special guest is marketing author and speaker, David Meerman Scott. Go to davidmeermanscott.com to find out more. David, thank you for being on the show. Oh, hey, Joey. Thanks. I appreciate it. It's good to meet you. Thank you. David, you're the author of quite a few books, one of which I've read very recently called The New Rules of Marketing and PR, How to Use Social Media, Online Video, Mobile Applications, blogs, news releases, and viral marketing to reach buyers directly. I thought it was a fantastic book, and I wanted to interview today on some of the ideas from your book. Yeah, I've actually done eight books, and Mm -hmm. that was my third. originally came out in 2007, and you probably remember back to 07. I mean, there was nobody doing these things that you and I both talk about back in 07. That was before... Twitter even existed. That was before Facebook, you know, was open to people other than students. So we've come mm-hmm. a long way in that period of time. The book is now in its third edition. I keep upgrading it uh, as, we, as we go along. And will you continue to do that over the years? I'm a- actually already working on the fourth edition. Yeah, every time the new edition comes out, you know, something else happens. Like um, when the first edition came out, like I said, Twitter didn't even exist. So I did a second edition and um, the second edition comes out and then um, we've got other, we've got other tools at our disposal. And now with the third, third edition live, uh, literally, and this is, it's kind of like just proves the point on the day, uh, actually the week that the third edition was published, Google plus uh, started. So, there's no information at all about Google Plus and the new rules of marketing PR third edition. So that's just one example that you know that we've always got new tools at our disposal. And then Pinterest came out as well. It's always updating. Yeah, uh, and 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 Instagram is another one that I regret not putting a little bit about in third edition. But we'll get that covered when the next one comes around. What's really interesting, Joey, and I think you'd appreciate this, is that the um, the the techniques have not changed. At one single bit, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's about understanding that the best way to reach audiences online is to publish interesting information, whether it's a blog or a great website or a YouTube video or a, a Pinterest, um, pin board or, uh, or, or a Twitter feed or an Instagram feed. I mean, it's all about understanding the people you're trying to reach. I call them buyer personas and then creating the sort of information, the sort of web-based content that will drive people to that, uh, to that, and then um, and then it's found by that content is found by search engines, and then people share it on social networks like Facebook and LinkedIn and other other sorts of social networks. That idea has not changed in the five years since um, you know since these books have, have been out. The the thing that's changing though are the tools that we have at our disposal to to publish that content. So, David, do you mind telling us, first of all, how you got into this business and how you ended up becoming a published author eight times? Yeah, I was sacked, basically. (laughs) Um, I was was vice president of marketing for several different American 
publicly traded companies, technology companies. And prior to that, I was Asia marketing director for a company called Knight Ritter. I was based in Tokyo and I was based in Hong Kong. So for about 15 years, I was, um, you know, leading marketing organizations. And, um, and then I started experimenting with these ideas of creating information as a form of marketing and really working hard on a website and forgetting maybe about print uh, marketing and so on. And this was in the, in the late 1990s and, and very early into the year 2000 and 2001. And that was a pretty radical kind of concept. The company I was working for at the time, a company called NewsEdge, was acquired by Thomson Corporation, now Thomson Reuters in 2001 and my bosses brought me into a room and asked me about what marketing is and my philosophies around marketing you know i said wow yeah it's really great you know we don't we don't really do a whole lot with print we don't really do a whole lot with tv ads or magazine ads or radio or any of this other stuff we're investing most of our resources in this online marketing it's this new stuff it's really cool and you know again you remember back that was probably pretty that was pretty early pretty radical at the time and that they sacked me they said well you know we don't do that that stuff here so uh, you don't have a you don't have a future in this new organization and that was wow. almost exactly 10 years ago when i was when i was sacked and so um i thought to myself and i said you know gosh there's some really interesting things going on out there and there are so few people that understand it um, and that have actually, you know, done it. And so I started my own business. Initially, it was a consulting business. I worked with clients. And then I started to write books. And I started a blog pretty early. It was in 2004 that I started my blog. That was pretty early. I started doing YouTube videos as soon as, you know, YouTube came around. And, you know, started on Twitter fairly early. So, you know, I was trying to adopt these things pretty early. And so writing and then um, uh, speaking about um, this whole sort of new rules of marketing and PR, as I call it, um, which is pretty similar to the stuff you talk about, just has a little bit different name. And um, and then um, when the new rules of marketing and PR did come out, the first edition back in 2007, it it just really struck a chord with people because it was um, the first book that really talked about how publishing content on the web was a great new form of marketing for anybody, for small businesses, for entrepreneurs, you know, for solo practitioners, and anybody who wants to gain an edge. And then it became a, you know, a bestseller. It was six months on the Business Week bestseller list. It's now published in 26 different languages. So it became very, very popular and successful. And as a result of that, I transformed my business in 2007 from being primarily a consulting business to primarily a speaking business. And I speak at conferences all over the world. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I was in London. A couple of weeks before that, I was in Mumbai, India. A couple of weeks before that, I was in Warsaw, Poland. Uh, I leave um, tomorrow for Tucson, Arizona. So I have an opportunity to speak all over the world, which I really enjoy. That's a great story, and uh, I, I bet the company that fired you is uh, slightly regretting it now. Well, and what's so interesting about it is that from seeming from a seemingly pe- bad piece of news, you know, I get mm-hmm. called into somebody's office and told I no longer have a job. You know, from mm-hmm. seemingly, and I'm going to write a blog post about this in the next couple of days, um, from seeming bad news can come 
the biggest gift that you're ever given. And in my case, being sacked in 2002 was, was the biggest career, um, uh, offered me the biggest and most important career move I've ever had. If I had been continued to be employed, I mean, I, there, I, I think it's highly unlikely that I would have written books and, and started started what I'm doing now. Um, I make you know a lot more money. I'm having a hell of a lot more fun, and um, and I think one of the most interesting and 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 rewarding aspects is that. I can help a lot of people. You know, there's there's um, something like a quarter million copies of the New Rules of Marketing and PR book, and I've done eight, you know, seven other books. There's lots of people who've read my stuff. Lots of people have seen me speak live, and many, many, many of those people will email me and say, "Gosh, you really helped my business. Thank you so much." And that's incredibly rewarding. Now, imagine if I hadn't been sacked, all of those people wouldn't have been helped. At least by me, they probably would have found some somebody else to help them. But you know, I think it's really cool how you can change something in the course of your life based on what seems like bad news or seems like uh, adversity into an incredibly positive thing. Absolutely. So let's talk about the shift that has taken place, David. Before we go on to what the new rules of marketing are, what are the old rules? What are the rules of the past? Well, um, what I talk about being the old rules are that businesses had really, you know, three ways to generate attention. And I'm not saying that these ways are wrong. I'm not saying that they're going away. I'm not saying that it's an either or proposition. You either do this or you do that. I I, I just think it's important to recognize that prior to the ability to create information on the web, we had three ways to reach people, uh, to generate attention from our audience. One way was that we could buy attention by um, buying advertising. You could buy advertising in the telephone directory or the newspaper or magazines or radio stations or television stations. You could buy a direct mail list and send people a piece of direct mail or a billboard by the side of the road. You know, All of those are forms of buying attention. The second way is that you could uh, try to use the media as your mouthpiece, in other words, sort of traditional kinds of public relations, uh, and you could either do it yourself or employ an agency to try to convince the journalists at magazines, radio, television, newspapers to, um, to, to write or broadcast about what it is you do. The third way to generate attention is that you could have some kind of sales force to contact people one at a time um, to try to generate attention one by one uh, for your business. That could either be sales over the phone or if you have a retail storefront, you could hire salespeople to work in your store. Um, if you know, typically with B2B companies, um, it would be direct sales where people actually go out and meet potential customers or, you know, with the real estate business, um, and a lot of direct sales going on and whatnot. Again, I'm not saying any of that's wrong. I'm not saying if it's working for you that you should stop. Please don't, you know, automatically assume that, that, that these things are, are bad. Um, however, however, what I see with a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of business owners is that they continue to operate as if those are the only three ways that they can generate attention, and they forget about the fourth way, which um, you know, which we'll spend time on in a while, is the idea of how you can reach them on the web. 
So what are the new rules, David, and what are the specific mediums that we can use to get attention? Yeah, so the, the, the main thing to think about is when you are creating information on the web, and that is the, the best way to reach people these days because that's how people are solving their problems. You know, if, if you want to go on holiday in Greece, um, you know, the first place that almost everybody turns is the web. You know, where should I stay? Um, you know, what restaurants should I, should I go to and whatnot? If you want to buy a new car, if you, if you want to enter, start, start a, an exercise program and, and all these sorts of examples, um, and, and many, many, many other ones, you want to buy a, uh, you know, a new bicycle, you, you go to the web first. And so the companies that create the best web content are the ones that people find through search engines, and they're also the ones that, that people um, talk about on their social networks. So you have to forget about those other three ways of generating attention because what a lot of organizations do um, – which is which which simply does not work is they try to buy attention they try to buy advertising on the web you know banner ads or whatever buy email lists and and spam people whatever or they try to convince bloggers to write about them uh you know in the old PR model or they um, or they or they employ some kind of direct one to one trying to uh, to get people um, and using a sales model. Uh, you got to throw all those things away, and instead, and this is where it gets a little bit radical. You need to think like a journalist, and rather than thinking like a marketer or a business owner or a salesperson, um, you, you think like a journalist, and you create the sort of interesting and valuable information that the audience that you're trying to reach can derive value from. So that that content might be in the form of text-based information, um, you know, a blog post or, or some great um, text-based information on your website. It could be a video. It could be photographs or images. And, and all of those are forms of creating information. Um, and the, the challenge and the reason why... It, I think that people need to think like a journalist. The challenge is most people, when they first embark on creating information, maybe they want to build out some a better website, most people's natural reaction is to write about themselves and to write about their products and services. But that just doesn't work so well because nobody wants to be sold to. Nobody wants to hear a pitch about a product or service. Instead, what does work is to, um, uh, rather than try to pitch product, what works is to think about telling stories and providing information that's helpful for people. And the best people to do that, the skill set you're looking for is the skill, are the skills of a journalist. There, journalists are people who are professional at, um, at telling stories and whether that's in the form of text or photographs or video or, uh, you know, whatever. And so that's why I say that the new rule is to um, think like a publisher, think like a journalist, uh, create stories specifically for the audience you're trying to reach. And I actually 
take this to the extreme that I'm quite literally suggesting that you hire journalists. And, you know, if, if when I when I talk to large companies, I say, you know, hire journalists full-time on your staff. Now, many of us don't have the resources to hire a full-time journalist, but if you work for a smaller organization or you're an entrepreneur, you're running your own business, um, you could probably bring somebody in on a part-time basis or even just an hourly basis, two hours a week or four hours a week, to help you to create the sort of information that um, you know that will that will reach people. So the sequence goes: someone has a problem, they go online to find the information, and you, being the publisher, they read your helpful information. And then, if you also, along with the content, you have some sort of solution, then maybe they become a buyer because you're now a trusted source of information that they found, and it helped them out. Yep, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. So, you know, I'm thinking about buying, um, I don't know, new tires for my car. And I go on to Google and I type in something around that that search. So I type in, you know, new tires in the Boston, Massachusetts area or something like that. I'm going to, yeah. when, when I do that, I'm going to get a whole bunch of people that are trying to sell me tires. Probably the first page of Google will be, you know, People trying to sell me tires at, at a low price. People trying to, you know, give me the fourth tire free when I buy three, whatever it is. But there'll probably be somebody who will say, you know, here's what you need to know about buying tires in the Boston area. And, you know, here in Boston, we get a lot of snow. This is where I live, you know, and, and typically there'll be, um, there'll be probably a dozen snowstorms during a typical winter and you know each one will be six inches to 12 inches and there's a lot of snow and so the so the the company that that writes an essay on how to drive in snow or the company that writes an essay on what you need to know to educate your teenage daughter how to drive a car when she's old enough to get her driver's license or the company um, that creates an essay on uh, or it creates a YouTube video, let's say, creates a YouTube video on um, the the merits of of spending twice as much money for better tires versus half as much money for tires that aren't as good. You know which which you have to replace more often. You know which one you should you do. So now all of a sudden somebody has educated me about tires, and now when I actually have to buy them. Um, I'm a person, not, not everybody is like this, but I'm the person who is more inclined to go to that person that I trust. Now, the other thing that's interesting that happens is that if I'm, if, if a, if a particular tire company is providing, uh, information of interest to me, I just might tweet it. I just might put it onto Facebook. I might talk about it on LinkedIn. I might, um, leave a comment on their site and saying, gee, thanks for that information. That was great. I'll see you next Thursday when I come in to actually buy, buy my tires. And that social, um, um, uh, you know, uh, validation that um, their customers and potential customers make by sharing their information can be incredibly valuable because if, if somebody sees your tweet that, geez, I just bought snow tires, I bought them here, um, that could be, that, that could, that could 
generally um, you know, create more sales as a result. So that, that's the sequence sure. of things that happen. In the book, you also talk about one way interruption marketing is dead. So we're not interrupting people anymore. But I think a key phrase you use there is one way. Now the web has made it into a two-way conversation, hasn't it? Yeah, but you know what? It's interesting because interruption marketing isn't dead. It's still something that people do. And, you know, it's, I, I, I hate it. I hate the idea of things like email spam or when I go to a website and before I watch a video, I have to watch an advertisement. Typically, the media companies, um, like BBC, for example, typically will do that sort of thing. If you want to watch a BBC video on the web, you first have to watch an advert. Um, that's sort of interruption marketing. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying it's dead because for some companies, that form of advertising can still work. I am saying, however, that it's much, much less likely to be successful. And it's yeah. much, much easier and cheaper to do what we just talked about, which is to create mm-hmm. information, publish it out. So I think, I think we're going through a, a radical shift where on one hand, you've got some holdouts who are very skilled at advertising. You know, they've typically worked in advertising agencies um, throughout their career. They're still wedded to the idea that, you know, that you, you have to create ads on the web. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that's wrong. You know, they can, that can still work. But I think that um, people who start to experiment with, rather than spending, spending money on ads, why not spend money on hiring a journalist to help you to create interesting information that gets indexed and, and shared are the ones that are becoming um, very, very successful with this. So how else has social media changed? Again, in terms of being able to talk and have that two-way conversation. Yes. All of a sudden, it's two ways. Marketing has been one way for hundreds of years. You know, the uh, the advertiser talked to the consumer, and now it's two ways. You know, if if you don't like a product, you can talk back. Um, mm-hmm. And that, that changes the dynamic significantly because all of a sudden, um, consumers can engage with the businesses that they uh, that they that they work with, and all of a sudden we can um, we can talk uh, about companies. They can hear us talking about them, you know. So I, I think every business, big or small, every business should be listening to what the market is saying about them, or listening to what the market is saying about their category of product or their geography. You know, if you run a restaurant. In um, in Cardiff, Wales, you you ought to be um, listening to what people are talking about regarding food and restaurants in Cardiff. Um, and uh, wow, how cool is it that you can actually listen in on that? You know, to f- monitor Twitter and to monitor Facebook and whatnot. So yeah, it's definitely becoming two way where um, you can hear what people are saying and you can in- engage with them uh, when that's appropriate. This is probably going to sound a little bit like your old bosses now where they just couldn't see what was coming next. I think that possibly the next big thing is mobile strategy. But part of me feels like, you know, how do really small businesses get a really good mobile strategy going on? And I know that I'm probably just being short sighted here. So first of all, do you think or would you agree that mobile is the future? And two, do you have any tips on how even small business owners can use mobile. Yeah, absolutely. So um, here's a, a fun statistic. More people in the world own a mobile phone than own a toothbrush. 
which to me is, wow. is incredibly radical, but it really says a lot. If, you know, particularly with global businesses, you know, the, the ways that people in a country say, say like India or Thailand typically access, uh, information is through a mobile device rather than through a computer. And, um, mm-hmm. and, 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 and in, in developing, developed countries, you know, where I live in the U.S. or the U.K., you know, wherever it might be, um, people are, are definitely, um, you, uh, 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 gravitating to mobile technology, I mean, iPads, iPhones, Blackberries, whatever. Uh, and, and again, you know, I, I said it earlier regarding different ways to, to market. I, that, that's not to say that it's only going to be mobile and that all desktop or notebook computers are going away. I don't believe mm-hmm. that, but I do think mobile as a percentage is becoming increasingly important. And particularly for certain types of purchases, Mobile is absolutely essential. I mean, imagine that you run a a restaurant or a rock club or something like that where people make spontaneous decisions when they're out away from their home or away from their office. It's essential that you have a mobile strategy. So the first thing I say to, to, to people regarding mobile is that, and this is a real simple thing that very few companies actually pay attention to, is that you need to have a mobile website. Um, and the reason the reason for that is that Google and the other search engines index mobile sites using uh, a mobile index, and uh, that's the first reason. The second reason is that if you build um, an alternative version of your website for mobile. Uh, you can optimize it for the smaller screen size. Uh, you know, rather than building a beautiful, wide-screened, you know, gorgeous, fat graphical website that you can do if people are accessing your site through the through a, through a, uh, a notebook or desktop computer. Now you can create a much more slimmed-down, small graphics, um, less text version, uh, because people are likely to be u- using it on on say an iPhone and. So all businesses and particularly particularly businesses that that people might make a spontaneous decision to visit when they're out um, outside of their home or office. So that means uh, any kind of retail establishment, uh, restaurants, stores, um, concert venues, um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, you've got to have uh, a mobile site. And, and it's just just simply a matter of of hiring um, somebody to help you to create the site, um, which I, fa- I I I waited a long time <laughs> to do my own mobile site. In fact, it's it's not even launched yet. It's supposed to come out in the next couple of weeks. You know, here I am. I wrote the book on the subject. I don't even have my own. It just says a lot about how few how 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 people are ignoring this really important aspect. And then once you have that, then you can start to think about okay, well, do I need to uh, create an application? You know, an, an app for um, mobile devices like an iPhone app? Do I need to worry about some of the mobile um, uh, mobile apps that already exist, whether that's Foursquare uh, or others that people might be using? And um, and I think that yeah. that's also important. Um, but it's just the you know it's the simple aspect of okay, I need to have a a, um, a mobile a mobile website that needs to usually come first for most businesses. Sure, and even tying in with social media, like you said, Foursquare and Facebook places, whenever I go somewhere exciting, David, I always check in. So uh, sometimes the company hasn't actually created their Facebook page, so I can't even do that. 
Oh, and, yeah. and that's really simple, yeah. So I, you're probably right. That ought to come first even before the website because it's so simple. Mm-hmm. I mean, take you, um, you know, take you less than five minutes to create a, a place for yourself. Uh, and, and that's, mm-hmm. again, particularly true if you have a retail establishment. If you're running a, um, a web, uh, uh, you know, a business that sells product only over the web, and you don't have a retail uh, presence, it's it's less important. Or if you're um, if you're running a B two B company and you never really have people visit your offices, it, it may be less important. But certainly for anything that has a retail component, you got to do it. My final question was more to do with the PR side of things. How can we benefit from news releases? News releases. Well, um, what's interesting about news releases is that uh, it's a great way to create content. I mean, it used to be that a news release was only used for companies to get the media interested in what they're doing. But today, if you do a news release and you send it through one of the news release distribution services, um, then um, what happens is it gets indexed by Google under the news category of content. And people who are looking for news may find your content. Um, but an interesting, an interesting aside to this, Joey, is that um, in the last couple of months, I did a new book. It's ebook only, and it's called Newsjacking. And uh, so it's a new concept. It's I think I think it's one of the most fascinating and interesting ways that small businesses and entrepreneurs and and and, and others can generate interest for their business. It's related to the the news release, and it's simply this: you pay attention to what's going on in the news. Um, either with big stories of global importance or small stories of regional importance for, for, for where you are physically located or stories of importance to your industry. When you see a story breaking, and it, it's, this is all about real-time instant communications, when you see a story breaking, then you publish a piece of content instantly. You do a blog post right away. You do a... Um, uh, you do a YouTube video right away. And the pr- pr- purpose of that is to not only reach your audience, but also to reach journalists. Because when a story is breaking, the journalists are looking for additional information, and they're looking to quote people who are experts. So a typical news release strategy is on your time, you know, the company's time. All right, you know, I'm ready to announce a new product, so I'll send a news release. What newsjacking does is it turns it on its ear, and it says, rather than me sending something when I'm interested... Instead, I'm going to send something when the reporter is interested. So I'll give you an example. Um, you may remember about six months ago, Sir Richard Branson's house on Necker Island in the British Virgin Islands caught on fire. It was a raging inferno. And, um, and Kate Winslet, who happened to be staying in the um, uh, Richard Branson's house, um, actually carried Richard Branson's mother and the family tortoise to safety, saving their lives. And this became the biggest story in the world for a short period of time of about six hours. It was the biggest story in the world because it had so many elements that the that the media loves. You know, it had it had stardom, it had fire, it had disaster, and it had the, a happy ending that everybody ended up being safe. Well, the London Fire Brigade 
uh, sent a, uh, did an update to their um, their website and a news release offering Kate Winslet firefighter training, and they did that um, just two hours after the story broke. Now, what that means is that all of the reporters who are covering the story now has additional information that they can talk about regarding this story, including information the London Fire Brigade wanted to get in to um, this, the, the news stories, such as uh, how to be safe during a fire, how to, uh, how, how to use, you know, have a working smoke alarm and, and, and whatnot. As a result of that, the London Fire Brigade was mentioned in, in, in nearly 2,000 mainstream media stories from places like the BBC and many, many others. And so anybody can do that. You can do it. I can do it. Anyone listening in on this call can do it. When you see a story breaking in the news and you have some expertise that reporters would want to tap um, your job is to instantly create pieces of information on the web, typically text-based information, but it could be video. Text-based information is probably best because that's indexed by the search engines instantly, and you may just get picked up by, by hundreds or even thousands of media outlets as a result. Absolutely. I'm just uh, thinking of ideas myself at the moment, David. I work in social media, so I'm thinking at the moment current news might be the Facebook flotation or uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, Twitter is suing some companies for breaking the rules of automated software. So I could write articles about those and potentially get found by journalists. That's exactly right. And, and it's exactly right, Joey. So, so yeah, so you, you just take a look at the news, you know, and I think it's important to be open to serendipity. So, you know, don't try to personalize your Google alerts or something to do this rather than, mm-hmm. than rather just, you know, I actually read a daily newspaper. I mean, I'm a huge online guy, but I read a physical newspaper every morning, Boston Globe when I'm at home and and other newspapers when I'm on the road, because I never know what I'm going to find. And I also look at Google News without any personalization on it, never know what I'm going to find. And you're right. Let's say some company just sacked an employee because they did something with Twitter. Well, then you've got an opportunity to blog about that right away. And then, um, you know, you mentioned the name of the company that did it. You mentioned the name of the employee who did it, if, they, if they, that information was given out. And then when someone does a search, then, then uh, you know, a journalist for the, 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 the Times is doing a search, and they find it, and bang, you're, you're quoted in the article sometimes without even them talking to you because they're going to quote wow. directly from your blog. That's the key here, the key is that you have to be really quick. And I'm talking an hour or two when the, after the news breaks. You don't have overnight. You have to do it instantly. Brilliant. Uh, you said it was uh, an ebook. Is that something we can get on Kindle? Yeah, the book is called Newsjacking. It's available on Kindle and, and iPad and, and, and many other different uh, places. If you just um, type in Newsjacking uh, into Google, you'll you'll see it pop up. Um, and um, I- interestingly, I newsjacked the Newsjacking launch. Let me tell you what I did just to give you an idea of how this stuff works. I knew that the Kindle Fire was coming out. Uh, right around the the time that my newsjacking book was coming out, uh, Kindle Fire is the new full color version of the Kindle. So um, my publisher Wiley and I created newsjacking to be full color with um, interactive content in it, which was the exactly the the spec that Kindle Fire had. And we uh, launched newsjacking on the very same day as the Kindle Fire was launched. 
And then I wrote um, a blog post about how it was optimized for the Kindle Fire. And now um, the the reporters then, when they were talking about Kindle Fire, needed to add some additional information in their stories. Some of them found my blog post and then ended up talking about the fact that my news my book called Newsjacking was the first business book to come out using the full color spec of Kindle Fire, and I got press and Publishers Weekly and some other places as a result of it. So uh, the cool. technique the technique works. It's really interesting. David, where can we go to get more of your free content and where can we go to buy your books? Uh, the books are available um, most everywhere. It's, they're, they're out in 26 different languages. They're um, you know, online sites all over the world, depending on what country you're in. A lot of physical bookstores have them too. Um, my website is my full name, David Meerman Scott. My Twitter is DM Scott, so D-M-S-C-O-T-T. And uh, on my website, davidmeermanscott.com, I have tons of free content, including I think there's five or six free ebooks on the site. And my blog, which you can get to from my site or from my Twitter, uh, has uh, a bunch of updates. Every, every week I try to do three or four blog posts. And just to let everyone know, by the way, the book is great. The new rules of marketing and PR. Whenever I've done a search on Amazon for social media in the last four years, it's always been on the first page. It was really, it's really interesting how that works. And it just proves the point of what we've been talking about that, you know, search yeah. engines are your friend if you have the content that they like. Great. That's the end of today's show. Thank you everyone for listening in. And thank you, David, for coming on the show. My pleasure, Joey. Thanks very much for having me on. The Online Marketing Show. Every day with Joseph Bushnell. Helping you to grow your online business by driving more traffic, improving conversion rates increasing customer value, and getting things done fast. Listen, take action, make money. 